You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus has returned to Galilee, the region in the north, and specifically to Cana in Galilee, where he performed his first sign, turning the water to wine. And a certain official from Herod Agrippa's court, who lived over in Capernaum, heard that Jesus was there. His son was sick. In fact, his son was near death. So he walks the 15, 16 miles to get to Cana from Capernaum to find Jesus, to ask him to come down. Come down from Cana to Capernaum and heal my son. But Jesus doesn't come. Here's the text. Starting with verse 46. So he, Jesus, came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now I want to stop there and pick up three points. First, we should remember always that the people in the Bible are in trouble. This man... This Capernaum nobleman and his family were distressed. Their son was there, sick, in bed, and close to the point of death. And they loved this boy. This family had no doubt tried everything they could to help him, but nothing had worked. And so there were tears in that house, and prayers, and sleepless nights. There was sin in that house, and there was darkness. And there was death, and things were bad. Now, there's a danger, a temptation for us to think that everyone, uh, everyone else has their act together, and, 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 and they've got their life zipped up tight, and we're the only ones who are distressed and holding on by a thread. And we're tempted to think this when we read the Bible. It, it seems to me anyways, and this could be my own struggle, but it seems to me that when we read the Scriptures, that the people there in the text, on the page, seem to us very different, very one-dimensional kind of cartoon characters instead of, instead of real flesh-and-blood people with real flesh-and-blood problems. Their troubles seem far away to us. And not only are we tempted to think this, that that everyone else is fine and we're the ones in trouble when we read the Bible, we're tempted to think it also when we look around at each other. This is one of the days, we were reminded about this, we had a workers' conference this week for the pastors and teachers, and we were reminded that this is one of the dangers that we face in our days, especially through social media, because, because the picture or the story that we publish of ourselves, of our own lives, on the computer and on the internet, it's all the highlights without all of the troubles. And everything's filtered. But it's not just there, it's just even in our day-to-day interactions. We see the life of other people, and we see our own life, and we think that it seems to us that they've got it all together, and we can barely get to church, barely get up and get going and get to work and put ourselves together as if we are the only ones that are worn out by this troubled life. As if, we're, as if we are the only ones who are worried or stressed or angry or hurt or afflicted or sad or confused or mourning or dying, abused, doubting. 
fighting against pride and despair. But this is false. Look look at the man here in the text, this husband, this father in Capernaum with a dying little boy. And, And you can know that you're not alone in this troubled life. The Bible, dear saints, the Bible is addressed to those who are in trouble. The Bible is for those who are distressed. The Bible is written for those who are in a life and death struggle with the world and with their own sinful flesh and with the devil himself and all of the demons. In other words, the Bible is for you. And it's for me. Paul reminds us, this is actually quite nice, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to humanity. Peter, when he's reminding us to resist the devil, says to stand firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In other words, we're all in this mess together. You are not alone in your trouble. You are not alone in your dying. You are not alone in your sin. Jesus tells us that He came for sinners. Jesus came to save, which means, now think about this, Jesus came to save, which means that you need saving, and the person next to you needs saving, and your neighbor needs saving, and the person taking a selfie of themselves in a $10,000 first class plane to Paris needs saving. And the person in the gutter needs saving. All have sinned, the Bible says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which means you have sinned and your neighbor has sinned and everyone around you has sinned, fallen short of God's glory, all people. So that if, for you, things are not falling apart on the inside and on the outside and all around you, then the Bible is simply not going to make any sense. If you're not in trouble, then the Bible doesn't have anything for you. If you're not a sinner, then Jesus and His cross are not for you. So this is the first thing. The people in the Bible are in trouble. Second, the people in the Bible, just like us, want Jesus to come and fix their problems. If only, how often have you thought this? If only Jesus were here with us like he was then. If only Jesus were here in Aurora like he was in Cana. <laughs> Things would be so much, more, so much better, so much easier. So we're like Martha. Remember this when Martha, or, uh, there's Martha and Mary, uh, sisters, and their brother Lazarus, and Lazarus dies. And four days later, Jesus comes to Bethany. To, and Martha goes out on the road to meet Jesus. And Martha says, Jesus, if you would have been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have only been here. Now, I, I think that reason, that thought is why the Holy Spirit has given us the record of this miracle by Jesus. This man from Cana, from Capernaum, walks up to Cana, and he wants Jesus to come down with him to heal his son. But Jesus wants us to know this. 
that he can work from a distance. And this is the third thing. The long-distance miracle. Jesus doesn't go down to Capernaum, but that does not mean that he doesn't heal the man's son. He does. But he doesn't need to be standing there in the house to make a difference. Now, this is for us. Verse 48, so Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left. And the father knew that that was the hour, the precise hour, the precise moment when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in his household. And this was the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Jesus, we ask, we, we, we say, why don't you stand here with us, walk here with us, like you walked with your disciples. If you could be here, you could make a difference. You could fix things. You could bring us out of our trouble and distress. But Jesus works fine from a distance. And this is the comfort that the text has for us in our temptation. We think that because we cannot see Jesus here in front of us, that he is not here, that he can't help or that he doesn't help. We think that if anything is going, to get, is going to change or get better, that we've got to take care of it ourselves, that it is up to us. We are tempted to doubt or tempted to forget that Jesus still works, that Jesus still moves, that Jesus still blesses that He has ascended into heaven and that His ascension means not that He's abandoned us, but rather that He sits on the throne of God's almighty power to hear our prayers and to answer them. We know and confess that Jesus does, even today, rule and reign. And He rules and reigns all things for the sake of the church, even though we don't see it. And that's the point. We know that all things do in fact work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose, even if we can't see it. So we walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus knows you're in trouble. Jesus knows that you're weak and that you're sad, and that you're angry. He knows that you're a sinner. He knows that you live with sinners. He knows that you're dying. He knows. He knows, and He hears your prayers. And from His throne on high, He not only listens, but He answers them. He sends His Word. He forgives you. All of your sins, all of them, every single one of them, there is not a single sin that is not died for, atoned by His blood and forgiven by His cross. He sends you His Holy Spirit who, who lives inside of you to give you strength and to give you patience and to give you wisdom in this fallen world. And on the last day, Jesus will call you up out of the graves and bring you to the joys and the blessings of everlasting life. We don't see Him today. But He sees us. He loves us. 
He still saves us. And one day soon we will behold Him face to face. And this is what the Holy Spirit has for us today. This text. This nobleman who comes to Jesus and says, come down and heal my son. And Jesus, with a word, says, he's healed and it's done. And the same word is for you. Your sins are forgiven. God's wrath is appeased. The Lord loves you. Heaven and eternal life are yours. God be praised. Amen. And the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.